today on Foodstuffs. Brian speaks with two people fighting for greater access in their northern community. When goodwill and government subsidies don't keep up with the cost of living. Yeah, there's uh, some some families that still uh, practice that uh, harvesting of wild food, right. but uh, the high cost of gas and also the uh, supplies that you need to be out there and also the equipment, a lot of people are not able to partake of that pursuit anymore. You're listening to Stephen and Kathy from Arwavska, and you're listening to Foodstuff. Welcome to Foodstuffs, a podcast about food and culture and their intersections. I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Goldman. So today we're going to be speaking about access, and this is a topic we've spoken about many times before. Yeah, addressing the issues of food deserts. I've brought that up a few different ways and a few different times. Um, I'm thinking about David Lockett and the John Polanyi Community Garden in Lawrence Heights, um, kind of in the northwestern area of Toronto, uh, the mobile food market operating in greater Halifax area. We've talked about access to fresh, healthy food in well, a variety of different communities. That's kind of come up a few times in the last few episodes as well. And certainly we're going to keep talking about this, but today we're sort of taking it to another level as we're going to talk about the Ottawapskat community. This is a truly remote community that has significant access issues that affect the food supply in a number of ways. Ottawapskat is situated on the coast of James Bay, which is sort of the bottom of Hudson Bay. So if you can think about Hudson Bay, Big mm-hmm. Bay, and then there's sort of like a little bay at the bottom there. So they're right. on sort of the, the west coast of that uh, uh, bay. When you talked about this, I was thinking a lot about the Northwest Passage. And right. so that kind of helped me situate it as just how far north we're talking about here. Yeah, the, to the point where the community, I believe, is actually considered, or the climate there is considered subarctic. Right. Right. So very far north, uh, to put it in our, our city terms, mm-hmm. when you try to look mm-hmm. up it on uh, Google Maps, if you look at the route from Timmins, Ontario, which is about eight hours north of Toronto and the closest city to Attawapscat, Google just says there's no route. You can't get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a little bit of an idea about uh, access there and how, and how remote this community is. Yeah, so that's just the ge- geography of it, but if you're kind of the name Attawapiskat is ringing a bell for you. It has definitely been in the news. I know in the time that I've moved to Toronto, they've come up a few different times. Um, And as is the case with a lot of Native issues, um, it's not really for good reasons. So five years ago, they were dealing with crazy flooding. So there was a big housing crisis up there. Um, And then unfortunately, within the last year, there was a large rash of um, suicide and suicide attempts that were happening, particularly amongst the youth in Abrawapiskat. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, not great reasons for a group like this getting into the news, which I think we'll probably talk a bit more about later. We will, but there's also reason for hope in this community. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to two people who are working with young people in the area, and they're seeing some po- positive changes happening in the community. Yeah, that sounds great. So who did you speak with? And yeah, how did you first get connected with them? So my sister-in-law, who grew up in the Wasaxing First Nation, we've talked about Wasaxing before with the fish farm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she got me in touch with her pastor, uh, a man by the name of George Gunner, and he works with several different First Nations. And he connected me with 
Kathy and Stephen Stoney. So Kathy is a teacher and Stephen is a minister, and they're up in, in that community, and they're very obviously very connected to the people in that community. Yeah, absolutely. All right, then let's have a listen. This is Brian speaking with Kathy and Stephen Stoney of Attawapiskat via Skype. Well, Attawapiskat is uh, located along the shore of uh, James Bay and is north of, of a, north of mostly Ontario. Mostly band members, there's about about 2,000 people. How does your community get food up there? Well, they, they shop at the Northern Star. There's the Northern Star. Uh, Northern Star provides uh, dairy products, fresh fruit and vegetables, uh, meat, as well as the other stuff, canned and dry goods. And there's another store that's owned by uh, a family, community members. And they offer, like, the canned goods and some refrigerated stuff, but not much. And then uh, recently, um, Walmart offers, uh, like, the, they can do orders with Walmart with a not too big of a price to cost to bring it in. But, but that's mainly, like, dry goods like pastas and so a lot of it as you say is is packaged goods but you do have some access to uh, fresh fruit fresh uh, produce fresh meats and things like that is the costing of them at all prohibitive or, or are you seeing them now at, at better prices up there um, they recently came up with a subsidy to government and it's uh, improved it a little bit not much um, like I said, the cost for milk is still um, nine, approximately nine dollars for four liters. Uh, the two-liter cartons are like over five dollars. So the fruit, like uh, some fruit, you're paying up to two dollars a piece. Some vegetables, you're paying four to five dollars a piece. Wow! Such as red peppers or green peppers. So does that mean people up in the community uh, eat less of that? Do, do you see people more eating uh, packaged food, canned food, things like that up there? Yes. Just yeah, because of the affordability get... factor, really? Yeah, affordability and um, not really aware of how to, what to use the vegetables for. Right, okay. Yeah. And as I understand it, just where you guys are, are located... Uh, geographically being very north um, and even the soil itself uh, means that it would be very hard to grow fresh uh, products up there is that right the soil is very clay like uh, a heavy clay soil it's hard to uh, hard to work with potatoes do grow right but a uh, very short growing season so you're not going to get like very big large potatoes and I understand even uh, the water. I was reading that um, uh, that the tap water isn't great to drink, and even boiling it sometimes can't make it safe. So, do people mostly rely on bottled water up there? Um, they have two service stations that provide uh, drinking water. Okay, so, so you have to go to that service station and, and fill up your uh, your jug or your container or whatever, right? Yeah, the Top water is not potent at all, not potable. Right. Like yeah. even if you boil it, it, it doesn't make it drinkable. There's too many. Um, the particle count is too high. 
Right. And uh, I understand, I, I know hunting must be a big part uh, of the community. Can you talk a little bit about uh, hunting up there and, and how that's that's starting to change a little bit? Yeah, there's uh, some some families that still uh, practice that uh, harvesting of wild food. Right. But uh, the high cost of, of uh, gas, and also the uh, supplies that you need to be out there, and also the equipment, I believe, is uh, a lot of people are not able to partake of that pursuit anymore, which prohibits them from from uh, engaging in that activity. But they harvest uh, food, wild food, such as geese, annually in the spring and in the fall, and and uh, fishing. Fish. Some of them go around the land into their camps, traditional hunting camps. Mm-hmm. No caribou in the in the uh, caribou and most. I wanted to ask you because uh, I know you're involved with a food drive that happens, and this is again trying to address some of the food issues that you have in your community. Can you talk a little bit about this uh, food outreach program that you have through the church? Well, we were working with the church down in Toronto. Uh, they would do a food drive, and we would get it shipped up through one of the local, uh, one of the airline companies that, that traveled out of Alpiscat. But they recently had a change in their policies, and they no longer allow like uh, bulk freight to go up for free, donated stuff. So they've right. cut back way back. As where we used to receive like eight thousand, nine thousand pounds of food and new and and uh, other items, donated items. Now they've cut right back to two hundred and fifty pounds. But that's no longer um, something that we will be able to do. Well, that's a huge difference from you say eight thousand pounds down to two uh, two hundred and fifty. So, like you said, that, that, that drive that was set up was through a church in Toronto, and you actually, do I understand right, you had a uh, a truck driver that had donated his time to drive the food up to Timmins, is that correct? Yes, yes. And then the idea was that it was going to be uh, uh, boarded onto a plane, uh, and the plane would take it up to Attawapskat, but now that that airline or the airline companies have started to restrict the amount of food that they can bring up there. So... Is that affecting the food supply in general? Is that generally how food gets up there by plane? Um, well, the companies that, like the store and that, they still bring their food up by plane. It was the free donated right. freight. That, uh, and as far as the families that we help, uh, yes, it, it does affect them because, you know, um, getting the, the food helped them greatly. A lot of them are on a set income. What did that be? Um, social assistance or um, disability? Mm-hmm. So that that makes a big impact uh, on that community. So how has the community tried to to address that? I don't really see any other too many other efforts. There's um there is a group that was bringing up uh, fresh produce. And they would sell it at a reduced cost, right, to cover the cost of the freight and the items. Um, that 
that hasn't happened as much as as the need is, though. And unfortunately, the majority of the people that get to access that are the out-of-towners, like the teachers and nurses. So, and it's usually at a time that it can't benefit the ones that need it. Like I said, the ones on social assistance or disability. <clears throat> and to know, too, that the ones on social assistance they don't get extra because of the high cost of living up there. What a single person gets for their welfare um, is what they get in the southern city. Right, so it's not adjusted at all for the higher cost of living. No, it's not. Wow, that's that's a there's a lot of things sort of seems like they're you're butting up against a lot of things. I mean, you've got sort of these privatized uh, airlines that are changing their policy. You have government that's trying to uh, provide subsidy and, and assistance, but not quite meeting the needs. What is the the, the future of this community? Uh, how do you think things might improve? That's kind of hard to say right now because uh, the mining issues up in the air, uh, Right, there was a mine that was open, a diamond mine that was opened uh, about five years ago. Is that right? Uh, more like fifteen. Okay, sorry. So the the mine that was open, and the issue now is that um, they're just not employing as many people. Is that the the issue? Uh, yes. There. Well, initially they were supposed to employ so many people from out of office cat. Uh, what happened right off the bat was a lot of people went to work there and they got paid their first paycheck. A lot of them didn't, uh, they had trouble dealing with the finance part. Right. Because they never had like that amount of money before. So it was gone so quickly. Yeah, so eventually they ran into trouble because of it. Uh, drugs is a big issue up there. And uh, that really affects the, the community. Um, but, you know, I think uh, if they work together and, you know, things can improve. Education is somewhere where they're really pushing in, pushing at it to, to get it going. So I see that's a good thing. And Kathy, you're a teacher, that's correct? Yes. So you see the, the these youth. What do you see in, in, in the youth that, that's coming up now? Um, I see hope. I see that they're, because of the technology and that they're able to see so much more of the world, that they know things can be different. Do you and have hope I for think, this next generation then? Uh, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Well, that's good because, I, I mean... Uh, the community certainly needs it, and I know that there's quite a, a number of young people in in that community, and hopefully, like you say, technology could, could be one of those things that plays a big role in, in improving um, the state of the, uh, the community. Um, has there been any uh, discussion about putting pressure on the airline companies for changing the policy? Because that seems like a, a, an easy thing right off the bat. If they were to reverse that that policy and, and allow you to bring that that donated food up for free, that could again make a big impact on the community. Do, do you see that changing at all? Uh, 
No, but we that's something that we can work towards. Like I said, it all depends on working together with the, you know, the people that have uh, the authority and probably getting more other communities in too, like, to push for that. Because mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. There's a, there were a lot of different, uh, a lot of different, we weren't the only ones that received donations. There was a, a few more people that received donations that, you know, that will not benefit from those things anymore, at least not at that rate. Right. That, that I mean, that's a big thing. And like you say, that yours is not the only community. Yours has been uh, in the news uh, through the years a little bit with um, flooding issues a few years ago, but I think that was five years ago, and um, uh, unfortunately suicide issues. Um is the community feel the that sort of uh, that attention at all? Has that changed anything within the community? I know for the youth, a lot of the youth did not like the negative attention, so they're working on. They've created a a youth council now, working towards uh, you know improving the what other people see about out of office cat and hear about out of office cat. I think that what my wife said that she sees hope in the in the youth uh that they 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 see that they need to change the image the the image of the themselves as as well as a as a whole as a community the way it's perceived from the outside and uh, uh they're making efforts so that's that i believe that's a start and being uh Working in the church, being a, a minister as well, I can see that change starts from within. So that's what we we try and uh, impart that to the children and to the youth that they they can change for the better, and the, and that they can also aim. They can have goals in life and work towards that. They can strive towards to become something, and that is possible for them to not just to stay in the same old situation, but they can, you know, from out of that hardship, they could, they can gain an experience to become something, something that uh, will be a benefit to themselves and to their families and to their communities and to other people, even in different parts of the world, like different communities. It's great what you're you're saying. You guys are obviously two people that are very invo- involved with the community, and uh, see the young people coming up and and have a chance to affect things. So, I wish you all all the best of luck in in uh, in continuing to uh, improve the the state of the community and your quality of life up there. Um, yes. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Have a good day and safe travels today. That was Brian speaking with Kathy and Stephen Stoney of Ottawapiskat, Ontario. So this is something that I've been wanting to speak about for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we've been patiently waiting for like the right people to talk to. And I mm -hmm. am really glad that you were able to get in touch with Kathy Kathy and Stephen. Excuse me. Yeah. And certainly through my brother and my sister-in-law, I hear about some of these issues. They're connected to a lot of the northern communities and they have family up even in uh, Thunder Bay and areas like that. And you hear about, you know, crazy food prices. And mm-hmm. again, this a lot of it coming from access. 
um, people driving their trucks down to the the Walmart or the grocery store and filling them up with canned goods and driving back and um, yeah, that's like kind crazy. of taking care of the community. You're, if you're going down for that drive, you're going to talk exactly. to everyone that you care about about <laughs> what they might need as well. Yeah, Ex- exactly. But mm-hmm. in this case, I, th- I think it's even more extreme because even that option of driving down somewhere and picking up. Well, first of all, you may not physically be able to drive down there mm-hmm. because of access, and even if you can, because the fuel prices are so high. Again, related to access. That really prevents you from doing that. And also even preventing you from um, doing a practice they've been doing for obviously hundreds yeah, of years so crazy. and hunting, that even that being uh, prohibitive for them. So access is, is a big problem. But what I liked about uh, this story and where it went was how access, in this case, internet access, yeah. is helping sort of turn that, that community around. And I think that's... It's amazing. That is amazing, really. Exactly, because I think that the whole issue is what what you deem as normal and what you see around you as opportunity and what examples are provided for you. We've talked about that um, in other conversations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like w- what you have the ability to dream for, right? Right, is and you have access to this whole, whole other world, right? So you can see so. what's going on and your your view of what, is normal and what is possible mm-hmm. it really expands. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so when we are talking about awareness and, you know, them having to cope with the only time they get attention is this negative attention. It's very real. Um, and it would be incredibly discouraging because even just this year, um, this government is saying that they're going to put all this effort into, well, access to, drinkable water, which is still not the case across this country, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, yeah, this budget comes out and there's nothing to address. Um, Yeah, well, mental health uh, programming, anything supports um, for these communities. And so it's one of those situations where I can only imagine how exasperating it would be where you're just like, do you only care about us if there's a problem? Um, and so knowing, you know, with like Idle No More and all of these uh, youth-led um, initiatives that are happening mm-hmm. across the country, I I wouldn't be surprised for a second if it was related to just literally having access to the internet. Yes. And I mean, young people, again, you have, um, there's a freshness, there's hopefully an energy, Yeah. right? And you want to see, I mean, this is where really new ideas are going to come from. Exactly. And right now they're obviously with the airlines sort of changing their policy and not allowing um, it's insane. Uh, that donated <laughs> go food from- to go up. For free. What was it? Eight thousand. Eight thousand pounds down to two hundred and fifty for a community of two thousand people. That is significant. That's one thirty second. Is that the right way of put, saying it? Like a thirty second of the the space that's, that had been allotted. It's a, it's, uh, it's massive. Ridiculous. Right. Uh, I mean, a private company. You're going to do what you need to do, but that's just a really. That's not a casual drop. No, it's it's massive. But honestly, that is an older solution. For a, a right. problem. And now I think, again, it's the young people that are going to come up with new solutions. Mm-hmm. So is it is it does it involve the internet? Does it involve technology? Uh, we've talked uh, briefly in different points about uh, things like vertical farming, which is uh, indoor farming that mm-hmm. happens at sort of hydroponic, so stacked hydroponic uh, system that is often a closed loop um, that, again, is was designed for 
um, areas where the climate didn't allow for a lot of food growth and there were food access issues. Right. Might so do you want to just that. break that down a little bit more? Because in case yeah, someone sure. hasn't heard those episodes so, in the past. Yeah. Vertical farming, uh, like I say, it's basically hydroponic uh, growing uh, or sometimes aquaponic growing mm-hmm. uh, where you have food in um, plants growing in water um, in sort of trays. Mm-hmm. And in vertical farming, these are stacked. Right. Right. So you can create an... Um, you're a lot of food instead in of oh. exactly. Mm-hmm. So you can create a lot of food in a small area. It doesn't require sunlight. It does require water. It does require electricity. It does require access to uh, feed. Mm-hmm. Although in some um, systems, especially aquaculture systems, there mm-hmm. is, uh, like I say, it's a closed loop system where they're creating their own feed, and um, so there's it's possible for perhaps. Uh, an operation like this to exist. Where yeah, that and would we're obviously not talking from an expert status at all. This is probably something no. that we should pursue going forward to talk to people who do know more about this. But the idea being like they're, I mean, even just in the conversations we've had in the last couple of weeks, I'm talking about Michaela last week, who is, that's her own property and that's her own, um, you know, choices that went behind getting chickens, starting to grow her own fruits and vegetables, all that sort of stuff. Um, she kind of referred it to it offhandedly as being like a little closed loop because she doesn't have packaging. She doesn't need to do as much recycling anymore. Um, the scra- food scraps are going to feed the chickens, all these sorts of things. So that's just another version of a closed loop. Um, you know, talking to Ran about the experiments that they're doing, um, I <laughs> like Black Creek Community Farm, like all these different groups of people are really trying to expand and innovate in mm-hmm. this region. And so there has to be some solutions that could be of value for these remote communities. And and the point being, Brian, this is a, a promise we should make to everyone that we will kind of continue to pursue more information on that sort of stuff because it's easy to say in the, in the city that these are... Um, useful solutions, but if if it's a matter of access, then who's to say if these would be appropriate for a group like uh, or a community like Atawapiskat? Yeah, and it, honestly, really, the the point is just that um, this is a problem where most likely the solution is going to require some creativity mm-hmm. and uh, and keeping power within the community yep, to like taking control. ownership of it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely this is not a community and the community recognize that this is not something where someone else is going to come in and solve all their all their problems that's not what they're what they're asking for or what they're looking to do they're trying to create solutions on their own and mm-hmm. i think by empowering their young people by paying attention to their young yeah, people yeah and by, fostering that yes and by getting their young people uh um, giving them ed- education, giving them technology, giving them access to the internet. Mm-hmm. These are the people that are going to um, help turn this community around, help make it a, a place that is more sustainable mm-hmm. um, so that they can continue to live there, mm-hmm. um, continue to be where their, their families have lived for generations. Yeah, exactly. And that's it for another episode of Foodstuffs. Thanks this week go to Kathy and Stephen Stoney, as well uh, Pastor George Gunner and my sister-in-law Darla Goldman for connecting us. Thanks again, as always, to Ken Stauer and Eric Betlam from CIUT. And thanks to you for listening. 
Look for us on Twitter and Instagram at Foodstuffs Life, or you can search on Facebook for Foodstuffs, and you should find us there. Or just head on over to our website, foodstuffs.life. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, and then, of course, you can always stream us on SoundCloud. I'm Brian Goldman. And I'm Jessica Walker. We will see you next week. Thank you.